This is a podcast from BBC Worldwide, who help fund new BBC programmes. Welcome to The Fan Show. This week we have a nice little festive treat for you. Francis Barber reads The Gift by Scott Hancock from the new book, Twelve Doctors of Christmas. Every year on Christmas Eve, Maisie Thompson would gaze out of her bedroom window at the vast, starry sky above her, watching out for Santa and his sleigh, although she'd never yet caught sight of either. This year, snow was falling. It never snowed on Christmas Eve. Maybe it's a sign, Maisie thought. Perhaps this will be the year I finally get to meet him. All she had to do was stay awake. She fixated on the world beyond the glass, watching as the snow started to settle. A thin layer formed at first and grew steadily thicker, sparkling like a mass of fallen crystal. Maisie smiled as the snowflakes drifted past. They'd travelled so far and there were so many of them, like visitors to Earth from another world. She was so rapt that she failed to notice the tall blue box that had appeared from nowhere a short way down the street. Soon, a throng of carol singers marched towards Maisie's house. They trudged along the pavement, singing, Deck the halls, O come, all you faithful, God rest you merry gentlemen. And they were starting Silent Night by the time they reached the Thompson's house. Maisie rushed downstairs just as her mother unlocked the door. A wave of song washed over them. She joined in with the final line, singing softly under her breath. Sleep in heavenly peace. Maisie and her mother clapped, and Maisie's mother reached into her purse. Slowly, the carol singers promptly dispersed into the night. But there was one voice which continued to sing in front of the Thompsons' house, not quite a Christmas carol, but rather an impromptu and slightly inaccurate rendition of For he's a jolly good fellow. The voice belonged to a young man, dressed in a purple frock coat with a bow tie, shirt and braces, sturdy boots and trousers so skinny they looked like his legs must have been sewn into them that morning. He had a childlike, friendly face, a prominent chin, and a festive bobble hat on his head. For he's a jolly good fellow, he sang with gusto, dropping to his knees and throwing his arms out wide. And so say all of us, he howled. Then he bowed his head. Maisie clapped appreciatively as the young man picked himself up from the ground, brushing ice from the front of his knees. Thank you, thank you, he said. And no, I don't do encores. Sorry to disappoint. He tugged at the bobble hat on his head. I'm the doctor, incidentally. Hello, happy Christmas. I wonder if you can help me. Maisie's mother reached into her purse again. I'm afraid I don't have a lot of change. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, said the doctor, delving deep into the pockets of his own coat. Will this do? He poured a pile of coins into her hand. Everyone's been really rather generous. 
Except for the woman at number 17. But I think her hearing aid was on the blink. She kept putting her fingers in her ears. He reached back inside his coat and plucked out a long, thin metal tube. Macy's mother looked alarmed. What's that? Sonic screwdriver, answered the doctor, opening it with a flick of his wrist. With a sudden screech, its tip glowed green and it started to pulse in a steady rhythm. The doctor held it to his ear and listened. Aha, the doctor cried, just as I thought, it's somewhere inside your home. Maisie's mother began to shut the door, but the doctor sneaked inside before she could finish. Where's it got to, I wonder? Maisie's mother looked appalled. You're in our home. I know, the doctor beamed, oblivious to her outrage. Can't say I care for the wallpaper. Have you got any biscuits? Maisie's mother ushered her daughter upstairs. Then she confronted the doctor. I'm warning you, she told him calmly. If you don't leave right now, I'm calling the police. They won't be able to help you, he replied, still studying the sonic. They wouldn't have a clue how to deal with it. Maisie's mother had already picked up the phone. Deal with what? she asked. Suddenly, from upstairs, came the sound of Maisie's scream. With that, he answered, bounding quickly up the stairs. Come on! When they entered Maisie's room, she was curled up in a corner of her bed, peering out from behind a duvet. She pointed across the room. There, a strange otherworldly creature hopped about merrily. It could only have been three feet tall. Its face was shrewd and vicious, and it was dressed in ragged clothes. Small black eyes gleamed above its nose and its laugh exposed a row of sharp, bright teeth. Maisie's mother shrieked, but the noise didn't seem to bother the creature. It was too preoccupied, wolfing down the cookies and carrots that Maisie had left out for Santa and his reindeer. Crumbs fell from its mouth as it chomped. What is that thing? Maisie's mother gasped. A lengo! answered the doctor. The creature cocked its head upon hearing the name. Mischievous little creatures. Utterly harmless, of course. They just make a lot of noise. As if to prove him right, the lengo guffawed in short, sharp bursts before jumping onto Maisie's desk and scattering all the contents of her pencil case onto the floor. Then it laughed even harder. Oh, um, and mess, the doctor added apologetically. Should have mentioned that, but don't worry, I'm here to help. Slowly, the doctor shuffled towards the lengo. Where did it come from? Maisie's mother hissed. From a very long way away. A planet called Lengos 4. Which is odd, thinking about it, because there are only two other planets in the system. <laughs> Still gently approaching the lengo, the doctor pulled out his sonic screwdriver. Take a look at this for me, would you? He waved the sonic gently back and forth in front of the lengo, and the creature's eyes followed it. Its eyelids began to droop. A few moments later, they heard the creature snoring loudly. <laughs> there we go, said the doctor, clapping his hands. Should snooze for a few minutes, which gives me plenty of time to do this.
The Sonic emitted a high-pitched whine as he aimed it at Maisie's bed. She felt it before she saw it, a warm wave of energy pulsing towards her. Then, a tiny point of light churning round and round to form a portal. Through it, they could see another world, blurred and indistinct. It's a wormhole, the doctor explained. This little fellow must have sneaked through it by mistake. The doctor hoisted the lengo into his arms and through the portal, then set it down safely on the other side. He pulled out his sonic again, aiming it at the wormhole. The portal began to spin in the other direction. It turned and whirled, growing smaller and smaller until eventually it collapsed and vanished. Was that an alien then? Maisie asked, far less scared than she'd been earlier. The doctor smiled. Yes, it was. And so am I. But don't worry, I'm one of the good ones. He slipped the sonic back inside his pocket and turned to Maisie's mother. I don't suppose you'd mind showing me the door? Oddly, she was more than happy to oblige. Bye then, cried the doctor as Maisie's mother ushered him outside. And uh, happy Christmas to you both. He sighed contentedly as the door shut softly behind him. Everything had gone according to plan, which was great, considering he hadn't actually had a plan to start with. He walked through the blizzard, enjoying the satisfying crunch of the snow beneath his feet. At the end of the street, the doctor could see the TARDIS, its panels blazing brightly through a delicate sheen of frost. But he could still see Maisie too. She was sitting on the inner windowsill of her bedroom, He smiled and waved, but to his surprise, Maisie didn't smile back. Is there something wrong? The doctor called. Maisie checked over her shoulder, then opened the window. It's the Lengo, she said. Mum said it took some of our presents, the one she kept on top of the wardrobe. She's on the phone to Nan, but it's too late to get any new ones. The doctor considered this for a moment, before a smile spread across his face. Seconds later, he was climbing up one of the drain pipes. Won't be a tick, he huffed, clambering unsteadily upwards. What's your name, by the way? Maisie, she replied. My name is Maisie Elizabeth Thompson. The doctor smiled. That's a good name, Maisie Elizabeth Thompson. Three good names, in fact. Aren't you lucky? The doctor winced, then threw himself unceremoniously across the window ledge, heaved himself through the window and fell in a heap of sprawling limbs on Maisie's floor. He then promptly leapt to his feet. Front doors are boring, don't you think? He took out his sonic screwdriver and aimed it at the very same spot from earlier. All we need to do now is reopen the wormhole Go to the Lengo's planet, find where he stashed your presence, maybe fit in the odd bit of sightseeing, and then we can come back here, close the wormhole, and pop the presence under the tree. How does that sound? You said we. Does that mean I'm coming with you? Maisie asked, her eyes wide. The doctor nodded. I'll look after you, I promise, he 
he said. But, but I'm in my pyjamas. Oh, the Lengos won't mind that. They're not remotely fashion conscious. He flicked the Sonic's handle and the wormhole began to open once again. The air around Maisie and the Doctor twisted and gradually the image through the portal started to appear. The Doctor offered Maisie a reassuring hand. Shall we go then? he asked. Maisie hesitated. What about Mum? Oh, of course. Do you think she'd want to come too? No! I mean, what if she comes in and realises I'm not here? We'll be quick, the doctor promised. Cross my hearts. I've got a time machine parked just down the road. First aliens and wormholes, now time machines. Maisie wondered if she should really trust the doctor. He was certainly odd but he had already saved them from the Lengo once. Besides, how many people could say they'd actually been to an alien planet? This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Making up her mind, Maisie nodded and took the doctor's hand. Together, they stepped through the burning hoop of light. Passing through the wormhole was a bit like walking through a film of jelly to a totally different point in space and time. Lengos 4, the doctor grinned. We made it! He studied the sonic screwdriver, adjusting its settings. Travelling through wormholes always leaves a bit of temporal, spatial residue, meaning we should be able to track down your little friend quite quickly. The screwdriver started to buzz excitedly. Aha! It's not gone far at all. This way, I think. With that, the doctor strode off down the alleyway, leaving Maisie trailing in his wake. When they emerged onto the street that lay beyond, Maisie was overwhelmed by the alien world around her. Two dazzlingly bright moons hung above in a blood-red sky, and huge silvery shapes fluttered down from the clouds. One bright shard softly grazed Maisie's cheek, then melted clean away. Lengos Four was cold and strange, but it was also extremely beautiful. As they walked, Maisie watched as a layer of snow lightly began to dust the town's streets, which were made of a stony material that reminded her of a coral reef. The buildings looked organic. Everyone was different in shape and size, but each had been nurtured from the same coral and crimson stone. Pillars stretched skywards from the pavements, some high into the heavens, others twisted into elegant arcs between the buildings, but all seemed to shine with an enchanted light. Natural phosphorescence, explained the doctor, catching Maze's eye. They wandered along the streets and through crowds of Lengos. All the while, the doctor monitored the bleeps and whirs from his sonic screwdriver. Not far now, he told Maisie. Everywhere they walked, they passed Lengos of all kinds. Some were young, some were old, some wore rags, while others were dressed in fancy frocks. There was one Lengo, no more than a foot in height, toddling absent-mindedly through the throng. 
It had to be a baby, Maisie thought, but she couldn't see any grown-up Lengos with it. She tugged on the doctor's sleeve. Can we help it find its parents? she asked. I'm afraid not, the doctor told her. Lengos don't really have families or friends. Mostly they just fend for themselves. That's why they're all so polite to each other. They've spent millennia having to appear tolerable to one another just to survive. Sometimes they get bored of all that politeness and become a bit mischievous. Maisie looked around at the flurry of Lengos. There were so many of them. Each of them alone. That's so sad, she said quietly. No, it isn't, the doctor reassured her. They've never known anything different. Trust me, they're perfectly happy the way they are. They'd reached a short squat door carved into the front of one of the buildings. The doctor knocked on it, and after a moment or two of clattering from within, a figure answered. It was the Lengo from Maze's bedroom. It seemed to recognise them instantly, burbling nervously in what Maisie guessed to be a combination of thrill and panic. I'll take care of this, the doctor told her. Straightening his bow tie, he squatted on his heels, meeting the Lengo eye to eye and issued a peculiar babble of throaty noises. <laughs> oh, I speak Lengo, by the way. Maisie stared at him incredulously as the Lenga responded with a sequence of excited chatter. He seemed quite agitated. Has the doctor offended him? Maisie wondered. He didn't realise, the doctor told her. It never occurred to him that those presents might have been important. Sentimental value isn't a big concept on Lengo's fall. The Lenga returned, dwarfed beneath the large stack of gifts he was holding. He chittered at the doctor once again. He says he's sorry, said the doctor, translating. And he wishes to extend to you greetings of festive cheer. The doctor helped Maisie to retrieve the gifts from the Lengo's arms and patted him on the head. Then he turned to Maisie. Shall we go? Maisie shook her head. I'm not quite ready yet. The doctor watched as she sifted through the pile of presents settling on one of the largest addressed to her. She offered it back to the Lengo. It's a present, she said, for you. I want you to have it. The Lengo looked confused and turned to the doctor, who translated with a series of barks from the back of his throat. The Lengo, appearing to understand, accepted the gift from Maisie, then sniffed and spluttered. This time... Maisie didn't need the doctor to translate. You're welcome, she told the Lengo softly, pulling it in for a hug. Merry Christmas. The doctor and Maisie left, travelling back to Maisie's bedroom through the wormhole, clutching the Thompson's presence between them. The doctor then scurried back down the drainpipe instead of using the door, front doors were still boring, and Maisie watched as he disappeared into a tall blue wooden box at the end of her street. The box soon vanished, fading in and out, until it disappeared entirely from the blizzard, and Maisie Elizabeth Thompson wondered if she would ever see the doctor again.
34 years later, Maisie Elizabeth Hussein was enjoying a quiet Christmas at home. She was married now with two children, a boy and a girl. And Christmas was a special time, just as it had been when she was small. Much to her surprise, a carol singer arrived on her doorstep on Christmas Eve, dressed in a familiar combination of bow tie, festive bobble hat, and frock coat. Maisie recognized him instantly. She also recognized the tall blue box standing behind him. The doctor wasted no time in telling Maisie excitedly that her simple gesture of generosity all those years before had gone on to change Lengo society. With one small act of giving, she had turned an entire world upside down. The Lengo they had met had wanted to share Maisie's generosity. He had sought to include others in his life and began to pass on gifts, realizing the gift of giving as well as receiving. Maisie's goodwill had infected the planet like a virus. Now, almost three decades later, the Lengos had a Christmas-like festival of their own. They were united instead of alone, celebrating their lives in each other's company. I'd like to take you back to Lengo's form, said the doctor. I want to show you what you achieved without ever even knowing. Maisie smiled. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, she reminded herself. Another once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, if such a thing were possible. I just need to fetch a few things, she told the doctor, rushing upstairs. Moments later, she returned with her husband and two children in tow. Each of them was confused, and none of them had their shoes on. But Maisie knew from experience that it wouldn't matter. There was no way they could miss out on this. And so together, the Husseins ventured into a battered old time machine and traveled to another world, a world across the cosmos. They celebrated Christmas alongside an alien civilization that now, thanks to Maisie, understood the spirit of Christmas. Hers was truly a gift that kept on giving. Well, boys and girls, I do hope you enjoyed The Gift by Scott Hancock. If you'd like more festive Time Lord adventures, you can pick up 12 Doctors of Christmas at all good bookshops and some evil ones too. Make sure you subscribe to the official Doctor Who YouTube channel for all the latest clips and trailers. And of course, whether you're human, lengo or something else entirely, have yourselves a very Merry Christmas. Thanks, Francis. We'll be back on Christmas Day to discuss the return of Doctor Mysterio. Till then, bye! Thank you for listening to this BBC Worldwide Digital Studios podcast. For more from Doctor Who The Fan Show, 
visit youtube.com forward slash Doctor Who.